Okay, uh, tonight uh, we'll uh, be continuing our study from uh, last week, and Lord willing, uh, finishing it. And so we were tracing the seed promise uh, throughout Genesis uh, from all the way from the, the woman, seeing that God's going to restore uh, his blessing uh, to all of his uh, creation and tracing it through Seth, Noah, Shem, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, the pa patriarchs uh, to whom God made his covenant with uh, Abraham uh, to uh, bless him and to bless his offspring after him and to give him many offspring uh, along with the land of uh, Canaan uh, and that uh, ultimately he would take his offspring uh, for his own people uh, into the land uh, and subdue their enemies so that uh, they would be a great kingdom uh, with God over them uh, and ultimately they would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth and God would uh, restore uh, his blessing. Uh, and then uh, this included the 12 tribes of Israel uh, as the offspring of the woman. But there's a particular line through uh, Judah and his son Perez uh, concerning the uh, king uh, of uh, Israel, the, the great and promised uh, king that belongs uh, to the tribe of Judah. And so last week, uh, we looked at Genesis 49 uh, in Jacob's uh, blessings to his uh, sons. And uh, Jacob opened, like uh, some of the other poems that we'll see, uh, by calling uh, his sons to uh, listen uh, and telling them uh, what's going to happen in the, the latter days. And so Genesis 49, uh, verse 49, uh, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days uh, to come. And we'll be seeing this again uh, once we get to Numbers 24 uh, with uh, Balaam. He's going to do the same thing. And if we had time, we could look at uh, Moses uh, just, I think it's just before uh, chapter 32 of Deuteronomy uh, that the, the intro comes just before and that goes into the the poem. But uh, we saw that uh, Judah was preeminent uh, among his brothers uh, and that he was even depicted as a fierce lion uh, showing that he has the power and authority uh, to rule and it was to him that the scepter uh, belonged and the, the, the royal promises of uh, a king uh, that will continue uh, forever. And, uh, he will have uh, obedience over the, the peoples. Uh, and we also saw, then we applied this to David. I looked at Saul and David uh, in 1 Samuel uh, and saw that really uh, this, these promises begin uh, with uh, David. David, uh, because just looking at his lineage and the tribe that he came from, unlike Saul, Saul was a Benjaminite, or a Benjamite. Uh, David, however, came from Bethlehem, uh, a city uh, in uh, the tribe of Judah. And we saw this in the with the ending of Ruth uh, that uh, traced the generations of Perez uh, all the way to uh, David, uh, Perez being Judah's son. Uh, we then 
uh, traced it through First uh, Samuel, uh, comparing uh, Saul and David. Uh, and there we said it, it could almost be called the tale of two kings, but uh, why I said almost, th that's not totally accurate. And just to give you a couple more sense about interpreting uh, Samuel. Um, really, it's about the transition uh, from God's appointment of the judges over his people to shepherd them uh, to uh, the kingship. Uh, and then when uh, Hannah talks about God raising up his anointed, really, it's looking at both the, the kings, uh, and so Saul, uh, who was not God's true king, his, his true anointed, uh, but only very temporarily until God did away with his dynasty because of his sins. But David was uh, the true anointed of God's choosing. The, the people asked for a king, God gave him Saul. But when God chose man after his own heart, he chose David. But then uh, there is also an anointed priest. Uh, and there's a transition uh, from Eli, uh, who had two wicked sons that he allowed to, uh, to abuse their priesthood uh, and to uh, take uh, unlawful meat and things from people's uh, sacrifices to, uh, to God. And so God rejected Eli just as he rejected King Saul. And he said he would raise up and anoint a priest uh, after him uh, that uh, would obey him. Uh, and that is uh, Zadok, uh, if we were to uh, keep keep reading. And so you see both uh, the, the comparison between the two kings, Saul and David, uh, and the priests, Eli and uh, Zadok. And Zadok is also in a promised line, uh, the promised line of Phineas or Phinehas, however you want to pronounce it, uh, who is the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, uh, Moses' brother, the, the priest. The priesthood belonged to Aaron through Eliezer, through uh, Phineas, and uh, Phineas uh, avenged, uh, he made a vengeance for God when uh, the people uh, sinned uh, before they entered the, the land uh, and they took uh, foreign uh, wives. Uh, and he um, brought vengeance on an Israelite who was sinning and so God promised him, made a covenant with him. Uh, as an everlasting covenant, a covenant of peace. And uh, I only mention that just uh, to better understand First Samuel, if you do reading on your uh, your own, uh, that it's not just the kings, but the priests and the, the ending of the, the judgeship. Uh, and then finally, we looked at the Davidic covenant uh, in Second Samuel 7 and saw God's promises to David that he was God's anointed king, but God's promises are far bigger, and he expanded them even more uh, to give him an ever everlasting uh, dynasty uh, in throne even beyond uh, Solomon. And now tonight, I'd like to look not at David's uh, lineage, but uh, David's uh, conquests uh, in contrast to uh, Saul by beginning uh, to look at Numbers 23 uh, and 24. The next set of uh, big poems uh, in the, the Pentateuch. 
although there there are some others we could point out as well. And now, right before uh, Numbers twenty three, uh, the it's at the end of the forty years of wandering in the wilderness, uh, right near the end, and so uh, from fourteen forty six BC up to fourteen oh six BC. Uh, they wandered uh, in the wilderness. Near the end of that time, uh, they started to uh, head for the, the promised land to prepare to enter uh, from the east uh, and to cross over the Jordan River uh, to the west uh, into the land of uh, Canaan. And so as they were uh, going, uh, they uh, traveled uh, up from the south along the east and they wanted to pass through Edom, but Edom wouldn't allow that, so instead they went further along the east uh, to travel by them uh, up beyond uh, Moab. Uh, Moab and Edom are uh, just to the east of the Dead Sea. Uh, and along the way, uh, they defeated uh, Amorite kings. Uh, Amorites are connected with the Canaanites. And so they defeated uh, Sihon, a king of uh, Heshbon, uh, and he is important because actually he was an enemy of Moab. We're, we're going to be encountering a Balak, uh, the king of Moab. And uh, Sihon uh, was an enemy. Uh, before Balak, uh, he actually conquered a massive amount of territory uh, that uh, Moab held. Uh, and he defeated a former uh, Moabite a king. And so the Israelites came along, and now they defeated uh, Sihon, a uh, king of Heshbon. Uh, and we'll see that uh, Balak of Moab doesn't thank them, but I think they, they want the, the, the land, and they want to uh, oust uh, and get rid of uh, the Israelites because they see them as a threat. Uh, and they also conquered uh, Og, king of Bashan. Uh, and so now, uh, about 1406 BC, as they're preparing to enter, uh, they're just to the east of the Jordan uh, and just, just north of the, the Dead Sea on a plain uh, waiting uh, to cross over uh, to Jericho into the land uh, to begin the, the conquest. But, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Balak, uh, the king of Moab, uh, saw them as a threat. And so... He called for a pro the prophet Balaam uh, to the uh, way to the north uh, to come curse uh, Israel uh, for him. And so they situated themselves uh, just a little to the southeast uh, in the plateaus and the mountains overlooking Israel on the, the plains near the, the Jordan uh, River. Uh, in Balaam's uh, strategy uh, for uh, cursing them uh, is basically, uh, we'll see it repeated, uh, Balaam is going to uh, find a favorable location. Uh, seems kind of like uh, sometimes with uh, pagan deities, uh, if they went into their, uh, their area uh, that they were sovereign over, maybe the mountains or uh, maybe the plains, gods of the plains and things like that, uh, if they could find the, the right area uh, then they could offer sacrifices to the gods and get their favor or appease them uh, so they're not angry with them. 
uh, so that they can then curse. And so a Balaam, uh, they'll find a favorable location. Uh, and then Balaam has Balak, uh, the king of Moab, uh, build seven altars. And on each altar, uh, they offer uh, a bull and a ram uh, to God. Uh, and the goal is that uh, they will get God's favor and he will curse uh, the Israelites, uh, his people, the, the people whom he has actually blessed, uh, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so first, uh, and we're really going to focus on uh, Numbers 24. Uh, we'll just go quickly through 23, mostly read uh, through it, uh, because 24 really has to do with the, the kingship. But we're going to see four oracles uh, directed at Israel, uh, and he intends to curse, but each of them he's going to end up blessing. And so when God blesses his people, uh, they will be blessed. And even a false prophet like Balaam, or Balaam, who wants to curse them, ends up blessing a God's a people. You now, uh, Gordon Wenham, uh, just talking about uh, the themes that we're going to see, uh, he says, uh, Balaam's oracles uh, blessing Israel. Uh, Balaam spoke four oracles about Israel and three oracles about the nations. Uh, the text makes clear that God had put the words into Balaam's mouth. One thing should be understood about the God-given oracles. Each of the four oracles concerning Israel takes up one of the promises of the Abrahamic covenant and confirms it. And so then uh, he says, uh, the, the first oracle, uh, stressing that God has not cursed Israel, confirms that Israel will be like the dust of the earth. Uh, who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? And so with all of them, it's referring to them as the nation, the people that God has taken and brought out uh, to conquer their enemies. But each of them, uh, Gordon Wenham would say, there, there's an emphasis in each of them from the Abrahamic covenant. And here, uh, many uh, offspring uh, for them. And so now from uh, Bamoth Baal, uh, he builds the altars, offers the bulls and the rams. And uh, in verse 7, uh, Balaam took up his discourse and said, uh, From Aram, Balak has brought me, that's the king of Moab, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And so he obviously can't curse them because God has it. Uh, God is the one who affects blessings and cursings. And now he gets to the blessing. Verse 9. For from the top of the crags I see him. From the hills I behold him. That's Israel. A behold, a people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. And here, a people dwelling alone, it's God's people, God's portion and inheritance that he's taken for himself. 
they're not part of the wayward nations in rebellion against God and opposition uh, to him. Uh, they're a holy people. And just seeing uh, the multitudes of them, who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? The point is no one can. Nobody can count them. They're, they're so numerous. And uh, talking about the, the dust of Jacob, uh, those are ideas that go back to the patriarchs uh, talking about they'll be as the dust of the earth and the sand of the seashore. And so we see God's blessing uh, for this people. And so now, uh, because he has blessed them, uh, verse 11, And Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered and said, Must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? And so, of course, he cannot curse them as much as Balak uh, wants, as much as Balaam tries. He, he must a bless. And now let's uh, skip down to the next oracle. Uh, they go from uh, Bamoth Baal uh, to the uh, field of Zophim on Mount Pisgah. They move probably a little bit north, a little bit closer to Israel, overlooking them. He builds his seven altars, uh, offers a bull and a ram on each, uh, and then Balaam seeks an omen uh, from God. Uh, in this one, uh, deals with uh, his God's presence, his promise to be present uh, with uh, the people, uh, to be uh, their God, and for them uh, to be uh, his people. Uh, he's the one who brought them out of uh, Egypt. And so uh, Gordon Wenham says, uh, the second oracle, uh, stressing that God cannot change his promise, confirms that God is present among his people, a clear reference to the promise of a relationship with God. Uh, the Lord their God is with them. And so, uh, verse 18. And Balaam took up his discourse and said, Rise, Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Uh, behold, I received the command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot uh, revoke it. Once again, uh, we see uh, that God, uh, when he is blessed, uh, he does not uh, remove it. Uh, unlike uh, men, uh, God's work uh, is irrevocable. Uh, it cannot be changed. And so if it comes to a promise or a covenant or a blessing, a God cannot uh, revoke his word. Uh, he cannot lie uh, because it's impossible uh, for him uh, to do so. So now uh, we'll see that Balaam uh, blesses Israel again, uh, contrary to uh, the king of Moab's wishes. Verse 21. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, uh, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. And that just may refer generally. No one has beheld misfortune in Jacob, uh, nor has seen trouble in Israel. Uh, the Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. A God brings them out of Egypt uh, and is for them like the horns of the wild ox, 
For there is no enchantment against Jacob, no divination against Israel. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, What has God wrought? Behold a people. As a lioness it rises up, and as a lion it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drunk the blood of the slain. And so uh, we see God's promise to be uh, with uh, his people, uh, to bring uh, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, out of Egypt uh, and to be uh, with them uh, as uh, their God. Uh, he's, uh, he's their savior. He's their judge. He's their redeemer and king and warrior uh, for uh, Israel. Uh, and he is always with them. Uh, just as the pillar of cloud was uh, with them and the, the pillar of fire by night uh, throughout their 40 years, uh, in the angel of Yahweh, uh, God uh, is with his people. And that is why uh, they are not cursed. And uh, there's no misfortune upon them. Uh, and then, also because of this, uh, he says, Behold a people as a lioness. It rises up, and as a lion, it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drunk the blood of the slain. And that goes back also to Genesis 49. Uh, Judah is a lion's cub. Uh, it talks about how fierce and ferocious the tribe is, the tribe with the king. Uh, and now all of Israel, the entire nation, is now pictured as a lion. Uh, their, their king uh, is as fierce as a lion, and so is the nation itself. Uh, and uh, really, it is not, uh, it's bad news for Balak uh, when he says, uh, as a lioness, it rises up, and as a lion, it lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured the prey and drunk the blood of the slain. Uh, that's bad news for any nation that's going to, to curse uh, the Israelites. And so uh, they are, there are many offspring, and uh, they are God. their God is with them. Uh, verses 25 and 26 uh, and Balak said to Balaam, uh, Do not curse them at all, and do not bless them at all. Uh, but Balaam answered Balak, Did I not tell you all that the Lord says I must do? So he failed again. Uh, and now uh, he, he's going to try a third time. Uh, they go uh, from uh, Bamoth Baal to the field of Zophim at the top of Mount Pisgah, now to the top of, of Mount Peor. Maybe, maybe that will work. Uh, uh, build their altars, seven altars, and offer the bulls and uh, rams. But this time, a Balaam uh, does not seek an omen from God. That didn't work. He, he put words uh, in his mouth to speak, and so uh, he's just going to try and do it uh, on his own now. Uh, and this uh, third one uh, has to do with uh, them uh, dispossessing the nations uh, and possessing uh, the land that God is going to give them and plant them uh, in it, uh, in his presence. And uh, Gordon Wenham says, uh, The third oracle, a vision from the Almighty, of the name by which God appeared to Abraham, confirms that Israel will inherit the land promised. Uh, the predicted defeat of Agag, uh, the Amalekite king, 
shows that Canaan is in mind here. That's the land that later became known as uh, Israel, where the Canaanites dwelt. And so uh, let's read from uh, verse 1. Uh, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his discourse and said, uh, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, uh, the oracle of the man whose eye is open. Uh, and so now God's Spirit has come upon him, and he is going to bless. Uh, again, when God's Spirit comes on someone, uh, they prophesy and make proclamation uh, of uh, the, the greatness of, uh, of God, his person, and his works, and uh, even here, a uh, bless. How, uh, verse 5, How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the water. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be uh, exalted. And here uh, we see uh, the land of the nation and their planting. It's a very common theme uh, that God is going to plant his people in a place, a sanctuary that he has prepared for them uh, where uh, they will dwell uh, in his presence uh, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. He's going to plant them and not uproot them, uh, which shows the peace and security and thriving uh, of them and his provision for them. Uh, but then we see his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom uh, shall be exalted. Uh, and we'll be talking more about uh, Agag, but uh, he is the king uh, it's termed for the ruler of the Amalekites, uh, or the king of the Amalekites. And so now uh, it referred to God as their king, and now it's talking about uh, the uh, king uh, that's going to come uh, through Israel uh, and through uh, Judah, and how exalted he will be, even about Agag of the Amalekites, uh, who is a very prominent uh, and powerful king uh, at uh, that time. In verses uh, 8 and 9, uh, God brings him, uh, Israel, out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of a wild ox. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, and like a lioness who will rouse him up. Blessed are ye those who bless you and cursed are those who curse you and so we see the destruction that they're going to bring upon the nations and god subduing and defeating all of their enemies that curse them and oppose them uh, which is again very bad news for balak the king of moab who's trying to curse them and this brings us to the fourth 
uh, oracle, which kind of summarizes all of the rest. Uh, and here, uh, Gordon Wenham says, uh, finally, the prediction that Israel would devour hostile nations uh, fulfills the promise that they would possess uh, their enemies' cities, uh, that Abrahamic covenant is, or that the Abrahamic covenant is in mind, is further indicated by the last words of verse 9. Uh, may those who bless you uh, be blessed, and those who curse you uh, be cursed. So I, I guess that, that was on the, the last one, but now in the, the fourth oracle, uh, it's going to uh, focus on their uh, king again and uh, the uh, destruction of uh, the, the nations, almost looking uh, worldwide. So uh, verse 10, uh, Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together, and Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. I said, I will certainly honor you, but the Lord has held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, Did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me, if Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord? Uh, to do either good or bad of my own will. Uh, what the Lord speaks, uh, that will, will I speak? And now, behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. So just like Jacob, he announced, listen, I am going to tell you what's going to happen in the latter days, the days uh, to come in the future. So, verse 15. And he took up his discourse and said, of the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open. And that's basically saying seeing, having understanding, uh, receiving uh, knowledge uh, from God. Uh, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. Kind of sounds like this guy has some problems, huh? <laughs> uh, okay, here's the blessing, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab, and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Ser also, his enemies, shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. Uh, so, Israel shall or, so Israel shall contend valiantly. A Jacob shall trample them, and he shall destroy the remnant from uh, the city. And now here, uh, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter 
shall rise out of Israel. Uh, that's kingly language again. I'm referring to the scepter. Uh, that goes back to Genesis uh, 49, uh, where uh, he said, uh, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him uh, shall be uh, the obedience of uh, the peoples. And so th this is the king uh, that, that's going to come, uh, Israelite, uh, Israel's uh, king uh, that we'll be seeing uh, and then referring to this king uh, in, in scepter, the, the authority to rule uh, in Israel that's going to arise. Uh, we see it defeating its enemies. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Shet or Shep. Uh, and here, uh, Moab, uh, they were the descendants of uh, Lot's sons. Uh, his sons uh, were uh, Moab, uh, from which the Moabites came, and uh, Ben-Ami, uh, son of my people, uh, the uh, Ammonites uh, that uh, came from them. Uh, and Balak, uh, the current king of Moab is the one who's trying to curse them. And so uh, destruction and judgment is going to come upon them. Uh, and uh, as we mentioned earlier, Israel even defeated uh, Sihon, the, the king of uh, Heshbon, who is an enemy of Moab, who had taken territory away. And they, they don't thank them, but they see them as a threat, even though as they pass through the land, God forbid them uh, to uh, attack of the Edomites uh, or uh, Moab. Uh, but then we also see another uh, nation. Uh, Edom shall be dispossessed. Uh, Ser also, uh, his enemies shall be dispossessed. Uh, Israel, uh, and here, uh, where it's referring to Edom and Ser, it's just another name for uh, Edom. Uh, Mount Ser uh, was really kind of the capital and central place of uh, Edom. Uh, and the Edomites, uh, as the Israelites were coming uh, through the land, uh, just be, before these oracles happened, uh, they asked if they could pass along the king's highway. It was an international highway to, uh, to go along through uh, safely. Uh, and they said that they wouldn't drink any water or take any food or go into their vineyards. Uh, and if, if their livestock or anyone even drank any water, they, they would uh, pay them for it and go through peacefully. But the Edomites uh, would not uh, allow them to go through. And they even came out uh, with a large, great, powerful forces uh, threatening violence and warfare uh, upon them. And so God had them go around and wouldn't allow them to attack uh, the Edomites because they go back to uh, Esau. And so he considered them brothers, even though they had gone uh, far, far uh, astray. Uh, and then the words, uh, probably most translations have something more like, uh, and one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of cities. Uh, and we can maybe go more into this uh, in the future sometimes. Some will have a ruler, uh, but there's uh, there's a, problem with the, the text. Uh, and so uh, R. Dennis Cole, uh, uh, who has a commentary in Numbers, 
Uh, he has a translation that's pretty close to uh, Gordon uh, Wenham, uh, who's a big Old Testament, uh, a good Old Testament scholar. Uh, and he would say more likely uh, it's, uh, so Israel shall contend valiantly, a Jacob shall trample them, uh, and he shall destroy uh, the remnant uh, from the, the city. And so now showing the nation uh, in their triumphs uh, along with their uh, king uh, over uh, these uh, nations, uh, Moab and uh, Edom. And then finally, uh, verse 20, he changes who he's addressing to. Uh, and he refers first to Amalek, uh, another nation, uh, the Amalekites, Agag. We already saw that their king will be higher and more exalted than him. Uh, and then he'll go in some other nations that will be uh, destroyed, not necessarily by Israel, but just destruction uh, going uh, across the, uh, the, the world, greater and greater uh, destruction and judgment. But uh, verse 20, uh, then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And so here also, like Moab and Edom, uh, we're seeing the destruction of, of the Amalekites. And this uh, will be relevant to uh, Saul and David. And we, we could read on about the Kenites and uh, Cain and Asher and uh, the Kittim and some, some of the others that are going to be uh, destroyed. Uh, as many uh, prophecies uh, look at, uh, especially as they project more into the future uh, and uh, final judgments also to, uh, to come. So, and also uh, with uh, Amalek, I uh, just wanted to mention that the Amalekites uh, actually go all the way back to when they were coming out uh, on the Exodus, the Amalekites came out and attacked Israel uh, to uh, destroy them. And so uh, they ended up defeating them. Uh, Moses uh, and uh, Aaron, he, he held up uh, the staff that, that God gave to, to show uh, God's power and God was uh, acting. Uh, in Joshua, uh, defeated them. Uh, and God said in Exodus 17, uh, verses 14 through 16, uh, Then the Lord said to Moses, uh, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, uh, The Lord is my banner, saying, uh, hand upon the throne of the Lord, uh, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So this is a war that we're going to see uh, th throughout uh, for a quite some a time. And even in Deuteronomy 25, verses 17 through 19, uh, he again says, uh, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Uh, the, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you uh, for an inheritance to possess, 
you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Uh, you shall not forget. And so uh, this uh, antagonism and hostility goes way, way back to when the Amalekites uh, took advantage of their weakness and tried to kill them uh, on the, the trail. And uh, even last thing I'll read from Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 23, uh, verses 3 through 8. Uh, he says, uh, especially concerning the, the Moabites, uh, but the Ammonites too, uh, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way of when you came out of Egypt and because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loved you you shall not seek their peace or their prosperity all your days forever. So the Ammonites and the Moabites, uh, God is against. And then he says, you shall not abhor the Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not abhor an Egyptian because you were a sojourner in his land. Uh, children born to them in the third generation may enter the assembly of uh, the Lord. And so here uh, we see the destruction that's going to come from the scepter and star uh, that's going to arise out of uh, Israel and from uh, Judah. And this brings us back to Saul uh, and David. Uh, we already saw uh, through their lineages uh, that uh, Saul was not God's chosen king uh, going back uh, to uh, Genesis uh, 49, the, the book of Ruth, and uh, his promises. He wasn't in the promised line uh, of the chosen righteous king. Uh, but David was in that line because he was a Bethlehemite from Judah, and God chose him. Now we'll look not at their lineage, but their conquests and battles, uh, and we'll see uh, that with uh, Saul, he, he has some victories but also shows that he is a not a God's chosen king, uh, but David uh, is in all of his conquests. So you can go to First uh, Samuel chapter 10. And we're going to see some of these names like the Moabites and the Edomites and uh, the Amalekites the Ammonites too. And so uh, verse 47, near, near the end of the chapter. Uh, when Saul had taken kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Uh, wherever he turned, he routed them. And he did valiantly and struck the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. So God was using Saul uh, as uh, the king for his people. Uh, and then look at verse 52. Uh, there was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul, Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he attached him to 
to himself, and eventually it's going to be the Philistines who kill Saul on the mount of Gilboa. But uh, here uh, we, we see uh, that uh, wherever he turned, he, he routed them, uh, and that uh, he did valiantly instruct the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. And so you might think, uh, maybe maybe Saul's the, the guy. Maybe he goes back to uh, Numbers 23 and uh, 24, and uh, the one that God has chosen. Uh, although already he's already given an unlawful sacrifice, not waiting for Solomon. Uh, he made a rash, very stupid vow uh, when they were defeating the Philistines that uh, if anyone... Uh, takes anything to eat, uh, that uh, they will die, uh, which was a rash vow uh, that really the law forbid, and he would have killed his own son uh, if they didn't stop him, Jonathan. But now let's uh, read through. In the, the next chapter, let's see, uh, and Samuel said uh, to Saul at the, at the beginning of the chapter, and so long chapters, we'll just mostly read through it, but we'll see that the Amalekites, uh, the king is supposed to defeat uh, the, the Amalekites and God's enemies, uh, but here uh, he is uh, not going to. So that was actually in chapter 14, and now uh, chapter 15, uh, verse 1. Uh, and Samuel said to Saul, uh, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way uh, when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel uh, and donkey. And so here God is bringing a judgment uh, on uh, the the people uh, that were part and belonged to, uh, lived along with the Canaanites uh, and were uh, against him uh, and against uh, his people. Uh, and he has the authority to uh, take uh, their uh, lives uh, and also so that Israel doesn't uh, mix uh, with people and join in their idolatry. And so now let's see uh, what Saul does. Uh, he's not going to do what the king uh, is expected to do. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, uh, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Malachites lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the peoples of Israel uh, when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, uh, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people at the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless 
they devoted to a destruction. So he's going against God. God said utterly destroy, but he kept the things that he identified as valuable uh, in the king, uh, maybe to make an allegiance with him. Verse 10, uh, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and uh, behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down uh, to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen uh, that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Sounds very pious, but he's not obeying a God's word. Uh, then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And that's maybe a little ironic because he, uh, he built a monument for himself. Though you're little in your own eyes, uh, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? But the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, are the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So he keeps making excuses that, well, they, they weren't really uh, taking, the, it, it wasn't for the, the spoil of it, uh, that they were uh, taking it and the, the, the reward and the treasure, but that they were going to sacrifice it. They, they were doing a pious, noble task uh, for, for God. Uh, but uh, he's not obeying. And the Canaanites, by the way, uh, were uh, extremely, extremely uh, wicked. Uh, in some things, you can't even talk about how sickening and, and wicked they were. Uh, but just as one example, they would offer their children uh, to Molech and the gods and sacrifice uh, them. And Samuel said, uh, responding to his excuse, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? A behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. But because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And so when God gives a commandment uh, to destroy them as, as the king and to fight against them, uh, it's better to obey God uh, than to disobey by offering sacrifices that God didn't even ask for. And so uh, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words uh, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, uh, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and did tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you, and also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not man that he should have regret. Uh, then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before uh, the Lord. Uh, and some of that language sounds very similar to what we were reading in Numbers 23 and 24, that uh, the glory of Israel, God, shall not lie or have regret uh, like, like a man. And he's going to, he's going to uh, give the kingdom of Israel from this day uh, and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better uh, than uh, you. Then, uh, verse 32, then Samuel said, uh, Bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal, then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went to his house in Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And so instead of Saul uh, conquering and obeying God uh, in the conquest that God had set for him against uh, the uh, enemies of God and against uh, God's people. Uh, instead, he disobeyed, which isn't consistent with what we read about their king uh, in Genesis 49 and Numbers 23 and 24 and uh, Balaam's oracles uh, that he will conquer uh, their enemies. Saul failed. But uh, David uh, did not. And if you look in 2 Samuel chapter 8, uh, we could look at many places where David conquered, but this just kind of summarizes uh, some of his, uh, the, the, 
the conquering and defeats uh, that he, he brought against uh, their uh, enemies. And actually, this is just following after God has given his covenant uh, to David, promising uh, to defeat their enemies and to give them an everlasting throne uh, in dynasty and to plant uh, the people of Israel uh, forever. And so, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And David took a Metheg Amal out of the hand of the Philistines. And he defeated Moab, and he measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground. Two lines he measured to be put to death, and one full line he spared. And the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. Uh, and then he'll speak about Hadad-Ezer, the son of uh, Rehob, king of uh, Zobah, uh, that he defeated uh, in the Syrians of Damascus that came to help uh, the Hadad-Ezer, the king of Zobah, uh, there to the, to the north. On uh, verse 6, uh, then David put garrisons in Aram of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever uh, he uh, went. And David took the shields of gold that were carried by the servants of Hadad-Ezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Abetah and from Abarotai, uh, cities of Hadad-Ezer, King David took very much bronze. Uh, when Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadad-Ezer, Toy sent to his son Joram, sent his son Joram to King David uh, to ask about his health and to bless him uh, because he had fought against Hadad-Ezer and defeated him. For Hadad-Ezer had often been at war with Toy. And Joram brought uh, with him articles of silver, of gold, and bronze. Uh, these also David dedicated to the Lord together with the silver and gold that he dedicated from all the nations he subdued, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And so uh, here, uh, just thinking about what we've been reading in Numbers and the oracles about uh, the king uh, in Numbers 24, verse 7, uh, water shall flow from his buckets, uh, Israel's, where God plants them, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be uh, exalted. Agag of the Amalekites, their ruler, their king uh, that David defeated. Indeed, uh, in Numbers 24, verse 20, then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter a destruction. And God used uh, Saul partially, but Saul failed uh, to uh, accomplish and obey what God had said concerning the Amalekites, uh, but David uh, didn't, and he fought uh, against the Amalekites in his own day. Uh, in Numbers 24, verses 17 and 18. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. 
a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall arise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab, and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also, his enemies, shall be dispossessed. Uh, Israel uh, is doing valiantly. And so it talks about their conquering. This scepter uh, shall come out. Uh, the king uh, from the tribe of Judah that we see in Genesis 49. And now we see right here uh, that David uh, was a bringing a fulfillment uh, to these promises concerning the kingship that God uh, would uh, establish. Uh, verse 11 again uh, in Second uh, Samuel 8. Uh, these also King David dedicated to the Lord together with the silver and gold they dedicated from all the nations he subdued. From Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, uh, there's Agag, the ruler, the king of the Amalekites, and from the spoil of Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. Uh, in verses 13, 14, and David made a name for himself when he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Uh, then he put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. Uh, they brought him, the nations brought him a tribute. Uh, he defeated them. Uh, they became his uh, servants. Uh, some blessed him, others accursed and attacked, and they suffered a defeat and, and conquering. And so uh, we see the very first fruits of God's promises uh, concerning the, uh, the kingship, uh, beginning with the, the Davidic line in dynasty. However, uh, we, we will also see uh, problems. Uh, these begin with David, the, these great conquests of the, the Moabites, and the Edomites and the Amalekites, uh, as they were uh, spoken about. And frequently it talks about God exalting uh, David, exalting his throne, uh, his uh, anointed one, uh, in the tribute and service that, that came to him, all, all this uh, kingly language. However, uh, we also uh, learn from Deuteronomy uh, 17, uh, talking about the, the king, uh, that uh, they could set a king over them, but he had to be an Israelite, not a foreigner. And God warned, uh, only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way uh, again, uh, or chariots. Uh, and he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And uh, these are things that uh, David maybe started to do in Solomon all the more that turned his heart away from God. And uh, God also said that uh, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him. And he shall read it, read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all his, the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, uh, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom. 
uh, he and his children in Israel. And so is dependent on keeping, reading, and keeping the law that God had set forth, the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, and with the Mosaic Covenant, even at the very end of the curses of the, the covenant, uh, God says, a cursed be anyone who does not conform or does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Uh, Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, it brought them under a curse for not keeping all of the words of, of the law. And even in Deuteronomy 28, verses 36 and 37, uh, talking about one of the curses that would come upon them, uh, the Lord your the Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, uh, to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. Uh, the Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and shall become a horror, a proverb, a, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. And Moses made clear uh, when all these things come upon you, uh, because uh, they uh, will. Uh, they are stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and God had not yet circumcised their hearts. And so uh, with Solomon, uh, he multiplied uh, chariots uh, from Egypt and wives and silver and gold uh, far beyond uh, David ever did. Uh, David uh, started uh, some of those things and Solomon, his son, went far, far beyond him. And so uh, then uh, God said that he would split the kingdom. He would leave a lamp for Judah because he gave an everlasting dynasty uh, to David uh, and his descendants, uh, Solomon, uh, that would never, ever uh, end. But the kingdom was split with Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son, in 931 uh, B.C. Uh, and even from there, you, you can trace uh, throughout like the uh, books of the kings uh, and chronicles uh, that uh, Moab and Edom didn't necessarily stay subjected to uh, the Israelites. Uh, but, for example, with Ahab's son, Ahab was a particularly wicked king, so was his father Omri. Uh, and Abraham's son uh, Jehoram uh, was the king of Israel, the northern tribes. Uh, and against them, a Moabite king named Mesha uh, rebelled. And so that was in the, the later ninth uh, century, uh, so uh, after the uh, 850s uh, BC, uh, around there. I uh, think actually right around 850 uh, BC, uh, Mesha revolted. Uh, and some of that's recorded uh, in, in scripture uh, and the, how they fought against them. And the Israelite king and the Judean king uh, joined with uh, Edom and fought against the Moabites and uh, were eventually routed away, away from them. Uh, but uh, there's even an artifact called Mesha's Stila where he wrote about his victories and he slaughtered uh, many cities uh, just north of the Mo Moabites with the tribe of Gath east to the east of the Jordan River, uh, the very nearest, and he slaughtered uh, many uh, cities and peoples 
uh, of the uh, Israelites. Uh, and then uh, there, there were kings like uh, Uzziah, the king of Judah, uh, that, that came later uh, near uh, near around uh, 800 or, or so. Um, and uh, Jeroboam the second king of Israel uh, to the, the northern tribes, uh, Judah to the south. Uh, and politically, uh, they seemed like very great kings, and they took a lot of this territory back. Uh, but that also uh, did not uh, last, and they, they weren't evaluated uh, quite as well uh, by uh, God and his prophets. And so uh, we read about, uh, do you remember, uh, Ahaz uh, in Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, when, when we were reading about uh, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Uh, and uh, against Ahaz, the king of Judah, uh, Syria, a resin from Syria, uh, joined with uh, Pekah, the king of Israel, the northern tribes, to attack them. Uh, and also the uh, Edomites, I believe the Moabites, uh, were part of their coalition and took some of their land and attacked them, and the Philistines uh, too. And so they didn't stay uh, subdued. And you, you can trace it uh, all the way throughout. Uh, in 722 BC, uh, the northern tribes were destroyed and brought to a uh, final exile uh, by the Assyrian Empire. Uh, also, uh, the Babylonian exile by 586 BC, Jerusalem was utterly destroyed and brought to uh, ruins. Uh, and so then even Judah with uh, the Davidic king was now uh, destroyed and brought away. Uh, and I believe it's Jehoiakim uh, that was in the, the Davidic uh, line uh, who was brought into captivity uh, in Zedekiah in 586, had his eyes uh, gouged out uh, by the king. And so all of these things, even looking back to Deuteronomy, you have this tension of uh, this great king uh, that begins with David uh, that God works through in this line of Israelite kings, this everlasting uh, dynasty, and he subdues many of their enemies, uh, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Amalekites, but only very temporarily. Uh, and it's not the permanent planting and peace and security that God promised. Uh, and even if, if we had time, we could look at Deuteronomy 32 and 33, where God said that these curses were going to come up upon them. And there is a song uh, that was given them to remember uh, that because they went into idolatry, that God was going to judge them. He was going to scatter them across the earth and that he would have made a full end of them if the nations hadn't misunderstood and thought that they had conquered uh, Yahweh, the, the one true uh, creator God. And so he uh, said, uh, I, even I am he. And he, he swears uh, by himself uh, that he is going to bring vengeance on the nations uh, that uh, persecuted uh, and treated his people uh, with uh, violence and redeemed them. And then in Deuteronomy 33, it ends with Yahweh, uh, their God, as their king uh, over them. Uh, and this is what the prophets draw from uh, when they uh, talk about uh, to us a uh, son is born, to us a child is given and uh, on his shoulder shall be the government and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And in Isaiah 53, he shall be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Three times in Isaiah, it says of Yahweh, he will be high and lifted up. But of the servant, he shall be high and lifted up and greatly uh, exalted. And even as uh, D.A. Carson talks about in Ezekiel 34, uh, where God denounces the false shepherds uh, and the, the kings, the prophets, uh, the priests, the leaders over the people, and denounces them, uh, as D.A. Carson says, then God uh, says, basically, uh, I will shepherd my people. I will gather the sheep. I will separate the sheep, the sheep from the goats. I will bring them to green pastures. I will feed them. And on and on and on. D.A. Carson says maybe some 25 times, I will do this. I will shepherd my people over and over again. And at the end, I, I will put David, uh, my, my servant or king, uh, he will shepherd them. He will shepherd them. And uh, D.A. Carson was just asking, you get to the end and you're asking, what's the relationship between the I and he? Be between the, the two, it's quite stunning. And he, even in uh, books like Zechariah, uh, he says, they will look uh, upon me whom uh, they have pierced, or the one whom they have pierced and mourn uh, for him as an only uh, son. Uh, when did they pierce a uh, God? Uh, that's the very language of Isaiah 53. And so uh, we see how the, the prophets, as these disappointments came, seeing this was not all God promised of his king. Uh, and with the, uh, the evil kings and being attacked by all of these nations and ultimately going into exile, they knew that God had promised so much more. Uh, and there they, they see that ultimately uh, Yahweh himself, uh, he uh, will be uh, their king. Uh, and then uh, even uh, as you read into the New Testament, uh, when uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the heir of Abraham and David, is uh, born, uh, the rightful king, uh, who is ruling over the Israelites, but Herod the Great and Edomian, who was appointed by uh, the Romans. Uh, and he was an Edomian, he was an Edomite. They had an Edomite for a king uh, that, uh, that the Romans had set over them. And so long as he obeyed uh, the Romans, they would tolerate him. He was a client king uh, on behalf of the Romans. They had an Edomite for a king, which shows just everything turned utterly upside down on its uh, head. Uh, and uh, Herod knew that uh, there was a, a promised uh, king uh, that was going to come and that the Davidic line was to be forever, not just a temporary. And so he even asks, uh, where will he be born? And, and they uh, say, uh, from Bethlehem, <laughs> because it's written in, in Micah 5, and so uh, Jesus uh, comes uh, as uh, the true uh, descendant of David and root of Jesse and the, the righteous branch that God had promised. And uh, he's even called the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, he's the offspring of Abraham in Galatians 3. 
Uh, in Revelation 5.5, 5, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 16, uh, the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. And the lion goes back to Genesis 49, the star to uh, Numbers uh, 24, uh, and it's all there. And he's not, uh, he's not the uh, only king. Uh, there was a David, there was a whole dynasty, and David was always in God's plan, but he's the ideal king that fulfills all of God's covenants and promises uh, and blessings and is the head uh, and king uh, of uh, his people. And so uh, I hope that uh, from this it just helps you understand a little bit better uh, how, uh, how the Bible fits together and how uh, the offspring of the woman uh, looks toward uh, the coming promises of Israel's king. Uh, and then be beginning with the first fruits of David, uh, but then all the way to uh, Christ. And then, uh, Lord willing, uh, when we gather back together, uh, we're going to have next uh, week off, uh, then we'll uh, aim to finish up our judgments and uh, pick up a lot of steam uh, in the, the book of Genesis. So let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word and just how magnificent your promises are and 